0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: Hello and welcome to Nothing Concrete, the Barbican podcast. I'm Benesh Maid, and on this week's edition, we focus on two consecutive films by British director Andrew Haig. We get insight from the director himself about his 2015 film, 45 Years... And a different perspective from lead actor Charlie Plummer on its follow-up, Lean on Pete.
2: For me, that's what happens in the film, is both of the characters focusing their world loses its meaning.
0: I, I compare this film to an untraditional love story. To have a scene partner that, you know, has these beautiful huge eyes and is so expressive and decides to do what he wants when he wants for a lot of the time.
1: We begin, though, with 45 Years, which stars Charlotte Rampling and Tom Courtney as couple Kate and Jeff, who we find happy and heading towards their 45th wedding anniversary. A letter arrives, forcing them to examine the foundation of their marriage and the relationship to this point. What is it? A letter.
3: Yes, I know, but from? But I think it says they found her. Found who? I remember telling you, clear as day. Of course I remember. I mean, it was a long time ago. Yeah, I know I I told you about my cat, yeah. She's been there over 50 years. Like something
1: in the freezer. Now they've found her. I'll make some more tea. Andrew Haig is the director of the much-praised Weekend, as well as being responsible for the HBO series Looking, which we discuss in passing. I spoke to him over coffee in central London. I thought I'd start... I I like the fact that you've jumped from the exploration of love on a weekend to the the exploration of a love over 45 years. That's, That's quite a jump.
2: Yeah, I think I do kind of see the films as, like, companion pieces in many ways. Like, obviously, they're about very different relationships. But I do think there is a similarity between the two, or, like... Uh, 45 years is you know an extension of things I was trying to look at in Weekend, and then looking at it within you know a long-term relationship felt really interesting to me. And so it's funny that there is there are, there's definitely a similarity between the two films.
1: It's based on a short story, I believe. Where did you come across that, and then why did you decide to to work with that?
2: Yeah, I came across it a long time ago now, probably while I was making Weekend, and I'd made a short film that was in a collection by this publisher, and this publisher sent me this short story which was part of another collection david's collection i just really loved it there was something so simple and like uh, profound about the story and it's just, it's a short short story and i knew that like to adapt it for the screen it would it would need some expansion and it would need some kind of changes But it just, it kind of really felt that it got to the heart of the relationship of this kind of longstanding relationship of the way that the past can can re-emerge and affect the present, how it can throw your life into kind of like a quiet kind of chaos all of a sudden Mm -hmm. when you least expect it. And I think that's what's really interesting. You go along in your life happily enough and it doesn't take much for it all to kind of like shatter and fall apart. And what's so interesting about the story is that it's not really something that's like real anymore it's something so long ago it's like a ghost from the past that kind of affects the present and that was interesting
1: yeah it's kind of the the event the 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 discovery of this um former lover it, captured in ice or, you know, frozen in ice is extraordinary. But you also get the impression, as you're saying, that it doesn't matter what it is as mm. such. Yeah, I think that's true.
2: It could be anything. I think that's the thing. It ends up not being a story about this woman in the ice. Mm. And, you know, and Jeff is not harking back to being madly in love with this woman either. It's just this thing about something that happened a long time ago, about youth and about a moment of vitality and all those kind of things that has the power to affect affect the present and I think that's in other versions of this film would all be about that mystery it would all be about the body and they would go to Switzerland and they would like dig it up and they would have a confrontation and all those kind of things and I do remember thinking that in a more maybe traditional film my film would be the first act and then it would continue on but I like that kind of expansion of that and I think you can you can end up getting kind of deeper into what that kind of means for their relationship, when you kind of hone in a little bit.
3: That's something I want to tell you. OK. OK, go on.
2: Yeah. Um, I-,
3: I was her next of kin. What do you mean? Uh, officially, I-, I was her next of kin. I'm sure I told you this well, before, But I think Kate. I remember her husband being another woman's next of kin. Why? Why what? Why were you her next of kin? Because they thought we were married. Who did? The authorities, people. What made them think that? We we told them we were. You weren't, though? Oh, no, no. No, No, hell no. We, We just had to pretend so that people would let us stay in their houses. Different in those days, Kate. And then, after the
1: accident... What I came out with was the idea that we experienced this week in their life, and it's obviously a, a point of extreme change, but things by the end, we've got to a point where it's kind of over and they're back to the, the people that we see at the beginning. I mean, it-
2: It's really interesting to me how people like interpret the end very differently. Uh, I think some people think that she's going to just get back into the normal life with them and it's going to be all right. For others, I think they think she'll never be the same again and everything has changed, but she'll stay with him and then others think she's going to leave him. And that's interesting to me because I do think that it was always I wanted the ending to have an element of openness to it so people can interpret it as they want. And I do think it actually sums up people's own personal philosophy of their own life and how they feel about, you know, relationships and what's important in their life in how they read that ending. And that, to me, was, was is quite an interesting kind of thing to do.
1: It's definitely the case over the last few years that more films have been made about approaching the, the retirement. But it still feels like something that we, we just don't see enough of on screen.
2: Yeah, I think that's really true. And I think some of the films that are about the kind of older experience are far more geared towards, like, you know, light frothy films and that wasn't interesting to me at all you know I think I approached the story almost not thinking of these people being old Mm. like as I was writing it it was like I'm thinking I want these people to think about things as I would when I'm 42 or how you know even when you're in your 30s you do to me it really is far more about you know what are the choices we make how do those choices affect our lives and if we like analyze those choices and we analyze what we've done with our life how does that make us feel and I think both characters have got to this point in in the story where they're forced because of this this uh reveal to really focus in on their lives and that's a terrifying thing to do at any age whether you're 15 or whether you're 70 you know the more you focus in on something the more it kind of falls apart and loses its meaning and I think for me that's what happens in the film is both of the characters focus in their world loses its meaning and Jeff manages to kind of find his meaning back again and realize this is a good marriage I love my wife this is fine but for Kate it's a harder thing to put back together again
1: there is a sense as well that that this home which is like a castle built of memories and and standards and ideals and it's an important character in the film
2: absolutely the house is essential like i think especially when you do live in the same place for a long time which these two characters have they've built the house reflects who they are the books on the shelves the music they listen to everything reflects who they are as people and that was really important to us to get that house to feel like it's like a living breathing character and even in terms of like the sound design Mm. you know we made sure that it had its own like creaking sound and the attic sounded a certain way and the wind sounded a certain way in the windows and I think you know when you live somewhere it becomes like your refuge and I think what's hard for for say Kate in the film is suddenly that all starts to break down again like she hasn't been up into that attic years and suddenly it's there and it's like everything she knew everything she thought was true about her life suddenly is just slightly altered. It's not even that it's radically different. It's just altered enough to throw her off into like a kind of existential kind of crisis.
1: As you mentioned it there, I mean, one thing I definitely wanted to
2: mention was the sound design. I mean,
1: what were your thoughts behind that?
2: Because I don't have any traditional score in the film. There's some music playing, but there's no like score. Sound design becomes so important. And the sound designer, Joachim Sundström, like we talked a lot about Trying to like really it's about making it feel still realistic but expressive. So it's it's about finding that balance. So you're not like hyper aware mm-hmm. of the sound design, but at the same time, it feels like it's it's like a character and it's telling you something that, you know, adding to the kind of visuals of the of the of the film. And you know, the winds, I mean the amount of winds <laughs> that that Joachim looked through and there was this like sounds of glaciers, like cracking. There's all these like very subtle things. And he's very good at, like, building up a subtle soundscape that, like, really kind of brings it all to life a little bit.
1: Was there any inspiration points for this?
2: I mean, my inspirations are kind of all over the place. They range from, you know, I don't know, there's so many films that kind of inspire me. But it's just, for me, it's always about, OK, how can I tell the most, like, truthful version of this story? And also try and, I'm I'm a big, like, fan of keeping things simple. It doesn't mean you have to be dulled or boring with how you're shooting something, but it's about having a kind of simplicity that allows the actors to do their work, allows you to kind of... You have to work at the film a little bit, and I, I like that. I want the audience to have to, like, give it some effort and work at it, sit back and think, oh, this is fine. I need people to, like, work at it.
1: Trying to kind of understand your sort of technique when you're being a director. I mean, again... With this and, and with your last film, there's a sense of you do you let them live live as those characters and then film around them a little bit or, or are you very strict on the on, on following scripts
2: i think it's it's this was a lot more like i think weekend there was there was more room for improvisation the style of how the film was this was much more just like script as it was I don't like shot list or anything, but I do have a pretty firm idea of what I want it to be going into each day and I'm usually quite clear on how I want things blocked like Mm -hmm. I like because blocking becomes so important when you're when you're when you're shooting something without too many edits which both weekend 45 years is it's very important that the that each scene like builds on each other in terms of what angle you use like so if you have a one scene that's wider in scope you know you want and you're not going to cut within it then you want the next scene to be maybe closer or you want the next scene after that to be a close up. So I kind of build my film in sequences rather than in scenes okay. and use that as like a visual way to kind of slowly draw you in and then bring you back again and draw you in. know, I know talking to Tom, he was often very surprised how we would shoot a scene With one shot, and then we'd be like, "Right, done, move on." And Tom would be like, "Um, "Okay, so where's my close-up?" You know, and there's certain scenes where you don't even see Tom. He's like sitting behind a wall. You don't even see him, and then he comes around the corner. And I think that was sometimes quite surprising. But it's just how I like to do things. I don't do much coverage. I don't like to shoot things too many ways. It's like making a commitment to how you think a scene should be, and then just keeping your fingers crossed that it it works. Yeah,
3: it's been an odd day. Sure has. I just uh, <coughs> stayed stayed at home, grappling you know, with the ball cock. But you, you're right, I hardly go walking anymore. It was a nice day, so uh, off I went. So, where did you go? Just to the village. To buy cigarettes?
1: Mm. It feels like. A slow film.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's certainly like, I think it's interesting when you spend time with, with people who are that age, life is a little bit slower. They talk slower. Like people who are older just talk a little bit slower than people who are in their 20s. So weekend, they're like talking really quickly and it has a more handheld vibe. It's, it's a slower way of life. And I think it was important that, I, that that was reflected in the visuals, like it's, it's, it's like a calmer visual style, it's not, you know, it kind of, slow is probably how you would say it, because their life has like continued along a, a way that's kind of bedded in and kind of, you know, set
1: when things happen, they're, they're, quite, they're quite subtle. So, for instance, like one moment of shockingness is when um, Jeff uh,
2: starts smoking. <laughs> that, that's kind of like as scary as it gets. I think it's true. It's like there's little subtle things like, you know, oh, he started smoking. It's like, oh, my goodness, something's happened. And I do like that because I do think that is the truth of most people's lives. Like the things that happen in most people's lives are small, subtle things. And the fact that he started smoking again is actually very important for the story. Even though you know it's just him having a cigarette again, I'm I'm well aware that you know that it's the, the film works on a certain level mm-hmm. in terms of you know story wise and plot wise, and you know it's something that it's those small details that become that speak you know volumes about about the world rather than big events. I lost
3: my sense of smell, you know. Mm-hmm. I just don't want us to start smoking again. No,
2: I, I won't. I won't. Promise. Right. But of course, for me, cinema can be as simple as just like watching a close-up of, a, of someone's face. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And I, I find that conversation and between two people is often like thought of as being uncinematic. But of course, I don't think that's true. And I think you can understand so much more about a person through how they interact with someone else. And you know, there's so many great films, I think, that are just based on, yeah, yeah, like yeah. I watched, you know, My Dinner with Andre again recently, and it's two people sitting in a restaurant for an hour and a half talking, and it's fantastic. <laughs>
1: I think... I think Charlotte Rampling and Tom Courtney had worked together before. I mean, how much much work did you have to do to kind of help them become those
2: characters? They actually hadn't worked together before. And it was really strange to me because you kind of think they should have done because of how long they've been working and stuff. And they hadn't worked together before. And they hadn't really... They'd met a couple of times, but that was it. So, I mean... We shot the film in order, um, and we did like a read through. We didn't really do any rehearsals. Charlotte isn't a huge fan of rehearsals. And actually, I'm not a huge fan of rehearsing either. I feel like I want to just wait and see what happens on the day and see what happens. And so you're always, it's, it's nerve wracking casting. Like you, you don't know if someone's going to work together. You're like, oh God, is this going to work? And I feel like they're both so professional <laughs> that they can make it work. Yeah. Like, I do think in the end, chemistry is about good performance and about directing things a certain way. And that's what creates the chemistry in, in many yeah. ways. So whenever I see films and the chemistry just seems really off, to me, it's like, I just think there's some, somebody's done something wrong. It's not necessarily the actor's fault. So they were great together in just like creating this kind of life. And the weird thing is like the, the event happens very quickly into the film. Mm. So you really don't actually see their life happened much before this um, this event so it but it they did a great job at just kind of filling in the blanks I think I, I love this notion of the, the fact they hadn't had photo because they haven't got children they just didn't take photos. Like, I think if you have kids, you take more photos. It's simple. And it means that there's probably more photos of all of you around. And there's more photos of your life growing old. And there's like a wall of photos that people have. And these two haven't done it. And I think that was interesting in terms of this is a story about the two of them reflecting back on their life. They're losing the sense of what that was, you know, and they don't have photos around them to remind them. And I thought that was really interesting. And I do like the fact that you learn enough about them, but you don't learn everything about them. You don't know about how their marriage was for 45 years. You don't know what the conversation was around whether they should have children or not. You don't know what the conversation was about moving to Norfolk. Like, I know, or I came up with what I thought those conversations would be, you know, when I was, like, developing the script, but I didn't want to put them in the film. I feel like you need to have some kind of mystery in a film so it enables the audience just to like put themselves in it to a greater degree and yeah that's that's always the kind of intention
1: it's kind of you know playing on shared memories between people i think the other thing as well is um the the party at the end I, th- I think most people agree that these things can be quite hideous.
2: I think it's one of those with. Like, I don't. I'm convinced that Kate is like, what the hell am I doing here? Like, I do think there's a notion of it's a strange thing doing that kind of thing because you are you are celebrating something for other people. So you're celebrating a very personal relationship that nobody really understands. You barely understand it when you're in it in that relationship, but you're celebrating something and you're showing everybody else what it is. And I think that's why it's so interesting within the film. It's like they're building up to this event where they are telling the world, mm. this is who we are, this is what our relationship has. We love each other, we've been together 45 years, and of course nobody at that party knows the truth of what's been happening yeah. and how that their relationship is on, like, fragile, uneven ground now. And that's, like, a really fascinating thing to me. And, like, I I would never have a party like that. I barely want to have a birthday party. My idea of birthday parties is sitting, watching, like, film in my bedroom, like, with a beer. Like, I don't like seeing people. Because it's, yeah, it's just that that notion of celebrating what you've achieved with other people. It just feels a bit weird to me. I
3: was in the village and... I don't know what happened, but that racist from the community centre... Mm, Sandra Wilkins. Yeah. her. She came up to me, right up to my face, and she kept asking me if I was all right. And when I said I was, she wouldn't believe me. I, I, I wasn't doing anything. Nothing, just sitting on the bench by the duck pond, minding my own business and getting some air. Hold on. All I was doing, promise. I believe you. (sighs) She's a dreadful woman. Just ignore her. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: I wanted to ask, because it, it seems, again, going back to the, the, the large leaps, it's fascinating to know that you sort of worked early on in Gladiator and Black Hawk mm. Down.
2: I mean, that they, again, is there anything that you took from those which, which is relevant to a film like this? I would say 45 Years is almost identical to Black Hawk Down. It's just cups of tea and, like, watches rather than, like, guns and, like, explosions. It was, I mean, you know, I was an assistant editor on those films, yeah. so you're not creatively involved yeah. when you're an assistant editor. I think working in editing is actually a really good training ground because you know that is where often the story is made is in the edit room. Like you would think it probably shouldn't be, but, but often it does end up that you have to create that story within within the edit room. My like desire to tell stories in a simpler way and visually simpler and less editing basically has been influenced by working on films which has so much cutting because mm. I'm I would work on a lot of those films. And think, I don't feel the need to cut now. I'm, like, losing something, and my brain is, is like, being forced to, like, look around the screen constantly, and I'm, being, I'm going through these, like, slight temporal jumps or these kind of things, and I just want to let it exist and let the audience watch it, make up their own opinion and move on to the next thing.
0: Good morning. I, good morning. Listen, I hope you don't mind. I just wanted to come in and apologise for last night. For what? Well, you know, I was a little drunk and I hope that I didn't come across as, as,
1: well,
2: as, you know, one of those guys that. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I should have told you I was starting here before you went too far. Thank you.
1: And was it was interesting making the, the TV series with HBO? I mean, has, has that had an effect in some ways?
2: It's certainly been a, it's, it's a. It's been a different experience. It's like, I mean, it, it's been great and I've really enjoyed it. It's like suddenly you're working instead of like my crews are very small on films, even 45 years, it's like 30 people. TV show, regardless of the scale of the TV show, you have like 200 people. Yeah. So it's a bigger thing and the budgets are bigger and you have a lot of crew and a whole like kind of thing around it. But it, it's a different thing. There's different priorities. There's different voices that have to be listened to when you're making a TV show there's you know it's a lot more expensive so there are other priorities at stake but I do enjoy it like I think I I like both I think film is always where my heart is and even though a lot of people think well film and tv is the same thing nowadays I personally don't think it is I think tv is great I think film is different there are things in tv it's interesting you mentioned we talked about sound design on tv you can't be as subtle with your sound design there's limits you can't be you know you can't go too loud and you can't go too quiet because of people's televisions so there are things that are a little bit constrictive when you're making tv um but still they have their its own like pleasures definitely well i
1: suppose it, the easiest way i could compare it is is the fact that with with a film like 45 years it's that unless you go into a cinema you you've said for the next couple of hours I'm going to watch this film we, we just bombarded with so much in our lives that you can't concentrate
2: I agree like I always get it makes me crazy when people get sent like the link to the film to watch I'm like no you've got to sit in the cinema because it's true like if you watch that on tv I know when that when the tv show is on you get people like tweeting while they're watching the show and I go insane about it I'm like I want to apply to them why are you tweeting like watch it have an opinion and it's people like, I love this bit, I hate this bit, this bit's awful, this bit's so boring I'm turning off, this bit's fantastic. And it's like, it drives me insane. I mean, if it was up to me and the audience would be locked into a room, the door would be shut, they would be chained to their seat and they'd be made to watch it. So, But I know the world doesn't work like that, unfortunately.
1: Last question, and maybe moving back again to the, to the start, after, after making this and viewing it, should we leave the past alone is my question.
2: Mm-hmm. I think it's hard. I think you can't leave the past alone. I think the past obviously is the past. I'm a firm believer that everything that happens to us, you know, creates the person that we are. And whether we like it or not, that's the case. You know, we are a product of our experience. And usually random experience, unfortunately. It's just about where you ended up being born, who your parents were, where you lived, what your schooling was like. Like, you can't escape those things. Sometimes it's incredibly unfair. And that's what's so awful about the world, really, is that people are born into, like... Shit circumstances and awful things can happen to people. So I think it's very hard to not have the past affect you. I find, I suppose, it's about finding a way to deal with the stuff that's happened in your life and try to find a way forward and know that you do always have some element of control in trying to make it work better for you and be better for you. I think I'm going to have a.
3: Perhaps does and have a bath. I've got lots to do tomorrow. I'm you sure you're all right. Yes. Yeah, really, I am. I
0: mean, I can hardly be crossed with something that
1: happened before we existed, can I? So now we take a slow trot and we arrive two years later at Haig's next feature, a beautiful piece of cinema starring Charlie Plummer and, well, a horse. So what do you think about all this, Charlie? you
3: mean? Yeah, I the backside being here in the asshole and nowhere I
1: like working horses Plummer stars as Charlie a teenager who finds work for a horse trainer played by Steve Buscemi and befriends the fading racehorse Lean on Pete Travis Pimmel plays his very neglectful father and Chloe Seveny plays Bonnie a mother-like figure who befriends Charlie but the horse is the star as we'll discover I spoke to Charlie Plummer why did you want to play the role of Charlie Thompson in the film?
0: I connected so much with the script and the story, um, and and I think the character was the inroads to that. As soon as probably finished reading the first scene, I I really just connected so much with him. And I think that's really a credit to Andrew who wrote the script and Willie who wrote the book Mm. for just writing a a character who I, I think is a complex one, but is also a really truthful one. And I always commend, you know, anyone who can do that for someone who's 15 or younger because I think that's challenging you know um so I think right away I connected with that and then as soon as I finished the script I I just felt so hard for the story and and just the journey that that character goes on and who he is by the end of the film and so it was a real no-brainer for me to to push as hard as I could to make it happen
1: you even wrote letters to Andrew
0: well I wrote yeah I wrote a letter um because I had sent in an audition tape and then I think it was the weekend. And so I was so anxious because I wanted it so badly. So I, the weekend, I was like, what can I do? So I wrote this letter, just detailing how much I loved it, but also how much I connected with the story and like, the character's journey and, and why. And yeah, and then I, I got another request to do an audition. And then right after that, I found out I got it. So, I mean, Andrew says it wasn't entirely the letter, but I, I think the letter maybe helped a little bit. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah.
1: You talked about connecting to the character. Could you talk maybe broadly what, what you saw in it? I mean, he's obviously very lonely, very internalized, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I think you know, growing up, I was always pretty internalized. I think I was always a listener, and I. But I mean, more to the point, I think you know, him moving around a lot directly applied to my mm-hmm. growing up experience and. I think also he's such a compassionate person. He's a sensitive person. Even though he doesn't speak very much, you know, you can see it. And I think I could read it from just the script alone, which were all things that I really connected with. And and, and especially his journey to, to find home was one that I really related to.
1: Not being an actor. <laughs> yeah. When you are faced with a, a story like this, where it, a lot of it were kind of reading the expressions on your face, how hard is that to kind of convey what was on the script or what Andrew wanted the camera?
0: Yeah, it's I guess it's, I don't know, I think for me like that's just always the kind of acting I've always really responded to and so growing up watching films, those are the ones that really hit home for me and because I think, like, when I'm, whenever I'm in just real life, and I'm watching someone, and they don't know I'm watching them, without sounding too creepy, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think that that's usually what I see. It's a very internal thing, and so I think for Andrew, I think you know, and just watching his other films, it's very similar the way he likes to make films and the way that I like to make films and the the films that I like. So, and I think internalizing the script. I mean, what's great about the way that he shoots is he really doesn't. Talk too much about it, and he really just tries it. And it's always, you know, a collaboration of if he does have an opinion or input whatsoever, he'll come in, you know, very briefly and discuss it. But he really gives the actors the space to just be able to try things and experiment with things. And I think he was really trusting of us as actors, especially me, you know, because of how much I'm in the film and also just based on my age. A lot of directors I think would be hesitant to trust an actor so much, but he really did, which I was so happy about. See that Bob, this kid's a natural. Yeah, he's a good kid. And he ain't afraid of our hard day's work like some of these other kids.
1: Could you talk about working with some of the other cast? Maybe start with Steve Buscemi, who you've yeah. worked with before.
0: Yeah, I was so pleased to hear that he was going to be doing it and he's such a great person and he's such a generous person and especially to other people, he's so generous with his time and and also generous just with his, you know, decades of knowledge at this point and and he also really has, from the day I met him when I was probably like 12 years old, he's always really treated me as a... Contemporary, And I think with him, he just always treated me as just an equal and someone that when we'd have a conversation, it was never an advice session. It was really a conversation about filmmaking. And, you know, we'd have a conversation about our favorite directors and he'll have probably worked with them. But um, But still, you know, when I would ask him questions, it never came from a place of negativity or anything like that. It really did come from a place of passion. And that, too, was just so... Positive for me to be around.
1: His character of Dell is the first person who really gives Charlie a chance, though you know, still has problems of his own.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, and 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 I think that that's something interesting about the film in general. I, I really loved about the script as soon as I read it. and I'm really happy with it because I think it comes through in the film itself. Is that each character is complicated and each character has sides to them that are really positive. And of course, at first with Dell, you know he's so appealing to Charlie, the character Charlie, and his friendship is so appealing and his mentorship is so appealing. And, and over time that, that is twisted and turned and darkened. And then by the end, you know, of course he's, Charlie needs to get away from him. And so I think that uh, unfortunately throughout the story that happens with pretty much every central character that Charlie comes um, to meet. But I think that that can be, that's pretty truthful about life, you know, when when those relationships end. Many times they start off for good reasons and and then they'll end for bad. But, you know, I I think that commonly happens and, and I just felt when I read the script, I thought that was such a truthful interpretation of just human connection in general.
1: And Chloe Sevigny as as Bonnie. Charlie's looking lots of times from a from mother yeah. figure, and even from father figure yeah. to a certain extent. But she, she does go some way to fill that role. Absolutely. And 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 that was
0: again, you know, there's only so much she can do. I think, and that's the heartbreaking part is that in an ideal world, I think for Charlie, he could live with Dell and Bonnie and have an odd family, but one that is still a family and one that cares for him and one that protects him. And and I think. Slowly, that image and that idea, that dream, it begins to fade. And as he's struck with reality and the reality of their lives and the reality of what they have to do to survive, he realizes that's not going to fly with the way that he would like to live his life. That's why he has to move on.
1: I think every character is complicated. Um, Charlie's father is he has a lot of faults, doesn't he? I mean, how, how did you view him?
0: I, I mean, I think I viewed him, and we spoke with Andrew and Travis, who played him so well. Uh, I think um, we spoke that they were more or less a lot like brothers, in a sense. And mm. so when it's your father, it's, it's, he'd probably be a pretty disappointing father. But if it were your brother, that might not be the case. Therefore, I think Charlie gives him a lot of breaks and... And I think in a lot of ways, Charlie is the mature one, mm-hmm. is the one who's responsible and the one who gets a job and is actually making money and the one who is safe and takes care of themselves. And his father is the one who's messing up and doing all these awful things. And, and I think that leads to you know, an unfortunate series of events. But I, I think that that was always kind of the key for it. This is a good guy and I think mm-hmm. he loves Charlie and he wants to be a good guy and he wants to be there for him. Just like a lot of, you know, I'm an older brother, and I think at the same time, he doesn't necessarily feel like his dad as much as he w- would like to.
1: I'm sorry.
0: I didn't even enjoy like that. Hey, I'm gonna be fine. You should go out, get mm. some sleep. No, no. You stay right here, okay? I'm not gonna be much company.
1: Right here. It's okay. Let's move on to the star of the film, other than yourself. Lean on Pete <laughs> or Pete. <laughs> what was it like working with a horse? Yeah, it
0: was it was wonderful. I mean, I, I had such a good time. Uh, as soon as I mean, it was nerve wracking at first, and I think whenever you start working with a huge animal like that, that could kick you in the face or you know step on your foot and break it or it really really it can be nerve-wracking and Mm -hmm. I think for me too as an actor it was a real a great test because the trainers who were so incredible and helpful they really said to me like you have to day one be really confident with the horse because if the horse senses that you're Mm -hmm. nervous or it can take advantage of you push you around then it will and it will remember that because horse's memories are so vivid and clear. And yeah, and they're also emotionally so intelligent. And so for me, I think just from the get-go, it was a little bit nerve-wracking. But as soon as I gained that confidence, it became such a dream because, you know, horses are such beautiful, kind animals, and I love animals. And I think getting to work intimately with one and getting to have a scene partner that you know has these beautiful huge eyes and is so expressive and decides to do what he wants when he wants for a lot of the time and it's a lot of fun you know it can be difficult at times but honestly the trainers that he had were so great their names were lauren and roland and and they were so so talented and
1: one of the touching things for me was the fact that charlie wouldn't ride pete Mm, i thought that was kind of some kind of real deep respect there Yeah.
0: yeah and i think that 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 Of course, I think it starts because Charlie is being respectful of his job, et cetera. But then I think when he, as soon as he really decides that this is my creature and I'm basically going to give my life to this creature, he treats it as, you know, as anyone. And I think that I, I compare this film to an untraditional love story because I think it really is. And I think that he, Charlie, really relies on Pete in a time of hardship and grief and tragedy and you know I think he really falls in love with the horse and not in a romantic way but in a real in a truthful way and that he wants to respect the creature and and he's protective over the creature as Mm. if you know it were a a sibling or a family member or a partner or whatever that may be because I think that that love really is genuine and so I think that that's why you know especially towards the end he becomes so attached to the Mm. horse that he doesn't want to disrespect him at all
1: he tells him things he's never told anyone else yeah. before
0: yeah and he really and, and and it's quite heartbreaking because I think he as a person as a young person especially hasn't ever had the opportunity to share those things with anyone hasn't had the time to not only because his father is doing whatever but also because you know these people that are important to him leave his life mm-hmm. and don't come back and I think that he, you know, Pete represents someone who is there for him, and in, in a in a way, and and is there unconditionally, and will be there and to listen when, you know, I think Charlie, the character, does such a great job at listening. So to have someone who just does listen, mm-hmm. purely, you know, is is very valuable for him. It's hard for me to watch, especially towards the end. It's really difficult for me to watch because the the line I think began to blur as it went on. And especially towards the end, it's really, you know, the, the the emotional feeling that he, the character was having was really what was going on with me. So it is a little freaky because I think that it's like watching yourself. Like, you know, the mask has been ripped away towards the end for me. And so I, I grew up as a very shy kid. And I think acting gave me a way to be able to express all these things with a little bit of a barrier, a little bit of that mask. So I think it's a little bit, it, it is really terrifying to watch towards the end when I really feel like there really isn't any there. Here you go, keep moving, keep moving. Stay ahead of him.
1: He's <laughs> singing a song? Every bit as nice as he seems. Thanks to Charlie for speaking to us. As you may have gathered, Andrew Hague's films are deep and sorrowful, but always with a positive story to tell. I'm Ben Maid, You've been listening to an archive edition of Nothing Concrete, the Barbican podcast, here to inspire more people to discover and love the arts with weekly episodes of archive, finds and themed series. Subscribe to Nothing Concrete on Acas, Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts. And if you can, leave us a review to help us get the word out.